You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Jaybird Watching. We're live tonight. We're going to give you guys a firsthand look at what the, you know, wonderfulness could be this weekend when we the Blue Jays take on the Detroit Tigers, and we're going to be there to give you your mute button for the Pat and Buck, you know, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> so as far as all the fun goes, Brendan Panikar is here with me, per the usual on the uh, Wednesday Wallet. How's it going, my friend? Good. Not so bad if I... Uh cough a little bit throughout the course of the Wednesday Wallop. I apologize to our listeners dealing with a bit of a cough but seem to be getting better as the day goes along so hopefully that continues and uh, we have a smooth sailing episode. Yeah and hopefully you'll just continue to trend up like uh, the team we love and it'll be that easy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that my friend. We'll see. (laughs) So as far as it goes we got our beers and everything ready and that's why you're working on your uh, wonderful cough. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> and um as far as it goes it, things are off and running and uh right now the blue jays are in the bottom of the fifth inning with two outs kevin pilar is up but it's gonna be that kind of a season i think this is until the late innings yesterday brendan i think this was an accurate representation of how the toronto blue jays season could go they're gonna be in the game fighting one way or the other and unfortunately, maybe some things might go awry from time to time, which is what happened in the eighth inning perfectly, you know, almost right on cue <laughs> yesterday during this game. And kind of how it might go this season, but they have a chance to be in these games every time, I think. Yeah, I think the especially the top three in the rotation, maybe even four once Baraki gets, well, for sure four once Baraki gets back, but for the first two or three turns to the rotation, Sanchez, Stroman, and Shoemaker, the three S's, uh, will be uh, good enough and keep the Blue Jays in games, uh, whether they're able to hit and not look as bad as they did tonight against Corbin Burns remains to be seen. But, yeah, I think they'll be in it. The bullpen is just in such a state of flux right now. There's so many questions surrounding the Blue Jay bullpen, so many injuries they're dealing with. So, you know what? I think it was summed up perfectly today listening to the radio that there's a few guys that they're going to have to bring north that they really did not want to bring north. And I think that probably includes guys like Elvis Luciano, 
maybe even uh, Sam Gaviglio. Uh, it might have to be a guy like Jason Adam or Thomas Pannone or Justin Schaefer uh, that they have to bring north as well. So, yeah, I think yesterday is going to... Yesterday, in terms of blowing the lead, with the bullpen just not being able to hold it, plus Kevin Pillar's epic whatever the heck that was, sliding and losing his footing and falling down and just completely whiffing, I think we already have the gift of the 2019 season. I think it'll be applicable quite a few times during the Blue Jays' regular season. Do I have to point out the irony that last year during the same series we got the gift of 2018? <laughs> it was a little bit better than the swing and a miss, but... <laughs> well, this game right now is shaping up to be... Kind of like what last year's was. Remember, Vlad hit the walk off in a very low scoring game. I think it was zero zero the entire time, and Vlad won it with a one nothing, one nothing with his walk off. So hey, I think we're falling in line. Bo Bichette is next, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's funny that you pointed out that that game was that boring because I'm glad it was a spring training game right before opening day because otherwise Adam Corsair and I would have had nothing to talk about during that wonderful live cast that we did because <laughs> it was just constant pitching, battling, battling, and battling. And I just felt like him and I were going changing, uh, you know, taking turns on, oh, that's a strikeout. Oh, pop fly to left. <laughs> you know, back and forth like that. It, it could have gotten really monotonous, but with all the other good fun talk that we could have had around that, it ended up being a very fun show regardless. And then we ended up having one of the best walk-offs of the whole Blue Jays season other than the ridiculous comeback in the you know month of August that they had against the, tr- the Rays. Um, but uh, just the fact that knowing those kind of things are coming and still coming for the Toronto Blue Jays, is infinitely exciting and (laughs) it's only going to get more fun as we dive into this what has become the 25-man roster there's only really one question left at this point but tom panone might have pitched his way into that conversation while his last spots tonight brendan yeah i mean i think they would have liked to have panone just go straight to buffalo to be stretched out and start but i also think they would have wanted the same for sam gavilio i'm not sure what the status of gavilio's options are but I think he may have another one, maybe two, regardless. Um, yeah, Pannon may have pitched himself onto the roster. And I think Luciano may have done the same yesterday, even though he started off with hitting Lorenzo Kane, He looked pretty calm, cool, and collected, being able to come back and strike out the MVP. Charlie Montoya made that quite clear during his interview. Like, hey, that was pretty impressive for that kid to keep his composure like that as a 19-year-old. But, yeah, I mean, at least if this was a live broadcast with Corsair again, there'd be a lot more to talk about. Like, I mean, even Danny Barnes is a forgotten guy right now. Danny Barnes, I still really like him. I know he struggled a lot last year, but nobody's really talked about him as a potential bullpen arm. So there's still a lot to be decided, and there's a lot of arms being cut over the last few days. I still don't think that there's definitely arms out there that will be part of this team. Dan Straley, they've talked about being an option as a starter, if need be, who's just released by the Marlins. They've looked into Edwin Jackson, so... They're definitely not done adding, and I think they'll take right up to the 12 p.m. noon deadline uh, to decide on that opening day roster. Yeah, and um, in all reality, as far as that opening day roster goes, bud, we might have uh, caught a blessing with a couple of those injuries to be able to squeeze a couple guys on and get some extra looks. I think the Luciano argument on that front is, uh, you know, I I think he's a lock. I think for this, you got to give him a chance and let him go out there. The nice thing about him is that fastball and the changeup combination will carry to a point. 
The biggest thing with him is that we've been talking about it on this show all spring, the fact that he can't get it over the plate all the time consistently, and if he can't, then you're kind of shit out of luck. <laughs> he usually goes out of the ballpark when he gets to the cross after suddenly with his control. Exactly, and uh, it's in the midst of all that. It's just it's what's going to happen, and uh, I think he's going to take his get his licks. I think in the middle of the beginning of the season, but I really do think he could settle into something salvageable. But he has that yeah, potential to be so. something good. He, you know what, he is very, very raw as we all know, but he's going to be he's going to show flashes of brilliance. I mean, he has a really good arm. He's got good stuff, but I think he's going to be what this Blue Jays team is going to be. There's going to be a lot of ups and downs throughout the course of the 2019 season. You're going to see the core of this team grow, and you're going to be like, I actually can't wait for 2020 to come because you can see this all building towards something quite special. And perhaps Luciano could be that in uh, uh, in himself because it's not very often. The reason why they took him is because almost never where a 19-year-old kid with a big arm is available that freely in the Rule 5 draft. So it'll be interesting. I, I think he may open up on the team, but if they need to clear a 40-man spot just for that purpose, he may have to be sent back to uh, Kansas City to clear that spot for another bullpen arm or two. Yeah, and if that's what it comes down to, that's what it comes down to. I hope, too, in the midst of that conversation, maybe a trade can be alleviated because I honestly do think that they need starting pitching depth throughout the minor leagues. It's kind of sporadically shot in there with really big names like Nate Pearson and so on and so forth. But we've lost that little, that nice, really good stream that we had going on with injuries to, like, Justin Maese and, all, and company like that, you know. it's It'd be nice to throw somebody like Luciano in and pretty cheaply because I, in all reality one thing they definitely have proven is he's a ways away in the midst of this conversation for the Royals oh yeah no without a doubt so yeah no, I think he yeah I think he'll be on the team but uh, I, I don't know there's still something there's a part of me that says that he may not uh, end up staying and he'll be sent back to Kansas City it'll be fascinating to see he, he, they obviously like un, uh, him enough to keep him around for this long Definitely. So as far as um, we're going to just jump right into it, I guess, because, you know, there's still we're still waiting for anything to happen in this ballgame. And we'll just go diving right into the 25-man roster and seeing we're already on pitching. The, the starting rotation has been announced, Brendan, and honestly, it's not as bad as one would think, especially with an injury to what is a key guy like Ryan Barucki. Starting off with Marcus Stroman, and we're going to get him on opening day against the Detroit Tigers. Yeah, I mean, the rotation, the way it's set up right now for those first four games against the Tigers, maybe not the fourth game when you're throwing up Trent Thornton making his major league debut. Uh, all, all Every matchup against the Tigers, and probably every matchup when we get into talking about the Orioles, every pitching matchup likely favors the Blue Jays, which means they could get off to a decent start. In Cleveland, I know we're try- getting ahead of myself a little bit, but Cleveland is starting with a lot of injuries, and that's the first road series of the year. So the potential is there the first three turns to the rotation everybody's healthy keeps on throwing well like to have in the spring to get off to a nice little start kind of what they did last year and then they fell on their faces <laughs> but, yeah, <exactly>. uh, <laughs> yeah so yeah Drummond definitely deserving of the opening day start I think I know he struggled a lot last year but he was dealing with uh, some shoulder discomfort but you know what he has done it before I know Sanchez really wanted it but how can you give it to a guy who's had what 25 starts over the last two years and Stroman did have himself a good 2017. So, yeah, I'm excited to see him go out there. You know, 
he feeds off of the energy and being announced as the opening day starter surely will uh, make him go up there. And I, I guarantee he throws a solid six or seven innings. Yeah. And I just think that he's the perfect guy at this point for the, you know, he's going to go out there and wear it all on his sleeve. You know, <laughs> this is what this team needs to show off, I think. And if they show that kind of thing off in general across the whole board, this could be a very interesting team. And picking up the ball after him in game two, we're going to have the new guy, Matt Shoemaker. And I think he slots into that rotation in that two spot as the veteran presence very nicely. And I think that's funny that we're talking about him as a veteran. This is a guy that was, what, the rookie of the year chasing, you know, pitcher, what, four years ago, five years ago? Yeah, not that long ago. He, I, I think it was 2014. He was runner-up for rookie of the year. And, uh, oh, I like Shoemaker. We've said quite a few times throughout our episodes recording with guys uh, on our podcast and whatnot that – Hey, if he's healthy all year, and hopefully Sanchez and Stroman are healthy all year too, but if they're not, it would not shock me at all if Matt Shoemaker is their best starting pitcher this year. And I think if he's healthy, he will be that. The action he's gotten on his split finger, which is his best pitch, this entire spring has been back to what made Matt Shoemaker uh, runner-up for rookie of the year in 2014. Then a guy who had a really good 2016 season as well. Yeah, and as far as I think that's just the, the epitome of what this it, it wasn't a dumpster dive by when you went after Mooch, Matt Shoemaker. This was a knowing a fact that he could he probably more than likely is still that guy from those two seasons. A laundry list of problems in those couple of years where he just couldn't get back on the field, but then he did see something, a glimmer of hope at the end of last season when he did finally come back to the Angels. That's what the Blue Jays are banking on, and that's what we've seen 110% all spring. The fact that he's missing bats at a <laughs> a rather historic rate this spring I think bodes well for his 2019 season and gives you that change of pace in this line in this rotation he, he isn't go out there and blow you away that's what you have Stroman and Sanchez for so it's nice to be able to slot him in between those two guys yeah it'll be nice because you got a little bit of velocity with Stroman and a lot of good movement I mean, all three of those guys. I know Shoemaker doesn't throw overly hard, but all three of those guys have really good movement on all different pitches, too. Strowman with his uh, with his cutter and whatnot, and uh, some of it in a slider. And then you got Sanchez with his breaking ball and his, and his fastball, and Shoemaker with his, uh, with his splitter. So, no, I think uh, this top three of the rotation is actually going to be quite good if they are healthy and could be one of the better ones in the division. Yeah, and I think you put that right and perfect right there. I don't think everybody notices that the Blue Jays have this kind of talent in their rotation. And I don't think it's because we don't have that giant name. You don't have the Chris Sale to make it sound sexy, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's got guys that are going to go out there and do their job and grind out at bats. It's only because they've been injured the last few years, especially Sanchez. People, I mean, and it's very fair to question whether he can be a full-time starter throughout the course of the season. But hey, man, I want to give him another shot. He looks so good this spring that they'd be foolish to not run him out there. And, hey, if he is anything like he was in 2016, which it's definitely still there, he has all this stuff, he could fetch a ton at the deadline. Or he, out of him and Stroman, is the one that gets extended. And I've long said that if a few years ago you had to ask, uh, without knowing uh, the injury history that they would run into, with uh, Sanchez and Stroma over the last few years. Who would you extend at the end of 2016? I guarantee they would have said Aaron Sanchez and probably would have even said that after 2017, despite all the injuries, too. Yeah, and uh, I was in that same boat. (laughs) 
Sanchez just projects as a guy that's going to be your grinder every season. Where Strowman is a wild card. With, and I'm not trying to play on the size thing, so everybody get off my back. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wild card for the plethora of reasons other than that possible projecting on his frame. It's the social media stuff, it's this, it's that, all these things that we've seen over the years now. Sanchez is going to go out and do his job. Strowman is going to go out and do his job, but I just could see him destroying a locker room maybe if three years down the line, if something horrible is going on. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> but it is what it is. So coming uh, after Sanchez, though, this is where we get weird, at least for the first part of the season, because this is normally <laughs> Ryan Baraki's spot in the fourth spot. Uh, yeah. We're going to have Trent Thornton for what is going to be our game cast on Sunday, starting against the Detroit Tigers. We talked about this before the show, at least that he is starting against the Detroit Tigers. Yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness that he's not going out there making his major league debut against like the Red Sox or the Astros <laughs> or the Yankees uh, or even the Twins who, or the Indians who will be good. I mean, he probably will get a start against the Indians uh, the weekend after, but still, he'll be able to go out there. Tigers lineup, when you look at their depth chart, they're not a very good baseball team. <laughs> yeah. not, there is a little bit of talent there, but... I think it's the perfect way to start the season for Trent Thornton. And that's why originally Clayton Richard was supposed to go out there and start that for uh, start that game. But I think now that they announced that it is Trent Thornton, a rookie, that it just made more sense to put Richard back uh, as the fifth guy to start against Baltimore on the Monday and let Richard start against uh, a pretty hapless Tigers team. I mean, you can't really go wrong with starting against either or because the Orioles are going to be very bad too. But uh, I don't know. I think it just makes sense to uh, give uh, – Trent Thornton starting with Detroit. Yeah, and um, I think that's I, – I was thinking that same thing because I was looking at the projections and everything for standings and stuff, and we're going to get into our own little projections here at the end of the show, folks. But <laughs> those are the two teams that are projected consistently to be the bottom feeders of the American League, and we're getting them fresh out of the gate. If, we yeah. don't, if we're not 500, Brendan, at least after the coming out of that series and the Orioles series – I'm going to be spitting a fit a little bit and wondering if this is the same thing as the John Gibbons curse that we can't get off to a good start ever. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, uh, April has not been kind to this team for as long as I can remember. There hasn't been too many times where this team has started off well in April. Maybe the last time that at least I can think of was 09, maybe 2010 as well. They started off decently, but Decent, yeah, though. April was not good. Yeah. Like not good. They've never really, <laughs> done themselves any favors they've dug themselves all these holes and they've had to climb back up to 500 by the all-star break and then catch up i mean that was 2015 too i know but we weren't even at before. 500 in 2015 were we at the all-star yeah. break yeah yeah exactly <laughs> it was after they got too low uh i believe they were right at 51 and 51 so yeah april has not been tied but you know what you gotta at least go out there especially in this homestand with these two bottom feeders probably the two worst teams in the american league you have to take at least three out of four against the Tigers, and you got to take two out of three against the Orioles. Yeah. you got to start at least, what would that be? That would be five and two uh, over the first uh, two series. And again, as we mentioned, getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but the Cleveland Indians are dealing with a rash of injuries right now to their position players, so maybe that could be a series where they could take some advantage of early season injuries. And 
maybe that's the most important thing for the Blue Jays this season, to get off to a good start. This team is, we're talking about these youngsters that are used to winning. (laughs) If they don't get out the gate hot, which many are expecting them to do, I just wouldn't expect, I I just think it might suck the wind out of the sails a little bit. You know, you you, you get off to a hot start, that culture is already hopping in that clubhouse, and it's going to be that much easier to keep rolling with it. Or if you go yeah. 500 against teams that aren't supposed to even be close to 500 for the season, that's a little uh, hard to swallow. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you go around uh, the depth charts of the Tigers and the Orioles and you go position by position, I think the Blue Jays beat both the Tigers and the Orioles quite handily in the rotation in a lot of different positions as well. I mean, you look at the Orioles' depth chart right now, I would say the Blue Jays have the most beat everywhere. And you have a case for that against as the Tigers as well, and I think they do, other than the DH spot with Miguel Cabrera being there. And maybe <laughs> right field with Nick Castellanos and Randall Gritchick, but I, I like Randall Gritchick a little bit more than Castellanos. Regardless, if they go out there and start hot, you never know what that can do for a young team who starts to win a little bit, just as you just sum, summed up pretty well. You keep that, uh, uh, that momentum rolling throughout the course of the season, and you never know what that can do. If you get off to a good start in April, just keep it going. And young teams, they have not, like, yeah, I, I think winning's contagious for young guys, so hopefully they can go out and do that. Yeah, well, and um, funny enough, uh, during this game, actually, they I, I don't know if you caught the interview that they had with Kevin Biggio, that they were talking about winning and how he has been on a championship team twice, just like, you know, many of the Toronto Blue Jays' youth. They won in 2017 for the Dunedin Blue Jays championship. They won last season with the 2018 Eastern League championship with the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. At least this is Kevin Biggio and Bobachette and company, right? <laughs> the as, as soon as these kids come up from the minor leagues, they're going to want to run with it, man. They're not going to want to sit back in a mediocre locker room. They're going to light a fire under everybody's ass, and I think that's what's eventually going to come. And I actually had a um, conversation with uh, Adam Corsair the other night, Brendan, to that point. This is going to be a tale of possibly two seasons. You know, the quote-unquote holding the guard people here at the front. Although, don't get me wrong, Brendan Drury and company are looking very good right now, but once you get that injection of youth, that could be the difference in the world, you know? Yeah, you never know. I think you're right. It could be a tale of two seasons, especially once Bola gets here. And I think with the spring Bo Bichette has had, if he just absolutely lights uh, lights it up in Buffalo to start the year, I think it's going to be pretty hard for them to not call him up, uh, especially, which I don't know if he just caught before we came on the show, A.J. Preller of the Padres announced that Fernando Tatis Jr. is making the opening day roster for the Padres. Ooh. So they're not worrying about service time at all with Fernando Tatis Jr., and he's right up there with Vladimir Guerrero in terms of talent that they have. And, and he'd be up right up there with Bobachette and everything as well. So, yeah. yeah that I might be a lack be of fun. options in San Diego. And, I, and, and don't get me wrong, I think we have every need <laughs> for Vlad to be in our lineup. But you got the point where Brandon Drury has been on frickin' fire all spring. There's yeah. that, that sense of urgency isn't there, where you know, the Padres, I would guess, need a shortstop. For losing yeah. Galvis to us, <laughs> and, and the Padres, um, they can win this year. The Padres have a chance to yeah. not be the you know bottom feeder like they've been over the past few years. They've actually amassed a nice team, so I think that's the difference in opinion of where they are. They right now they see the difference between having Tatis now versus 
what, six years from now? Well, signing Manny, Mach- signing Manny Machado has sent ways, like, has basically told the Padres' entire organization is, hey, our window starts now. That's why we signed Manny Machado. I know it's a very long deal over 10 years or at 10 years, but still, you start that competitive window early and maybe you can retain Tatis Jr. for the rest of Machado's contract. But, yeah, no, I, I think you're right with that. Definitely, they definitely have a different window at this point. The Machado signing definitely says that, hey, we're here to win now. Fernando Tatis gives us that chance. The Jays, right now, they're not ready to win right now. No, and right now the difference between him being on the team for those 16 extra days is not the difference between us getting a wild card spot or not. So Yeah, if the Padres get off to a good start, I mean, they could ride that throughout the course of the year. My only concern about them is they don't have any pitching. But, again, in another similar move, they said that Chris Paddock, who's a starting pitcher for the Padres in their system, one of their better pitching prospects, believe he only made seven starts in A last year, He's making the opening day rotation. I mean, they don't really have another rotation, but they're doing all these moves with their their young guys because they want to win now, and they know that these guys can help them already. Yeah, they think that gives them the best chance to win. So, now the flip side of that coin, I bet you the White Sox are still planning on, regardless of the fact that they just gave Aloy Jimenez a bunch of money, (laughs) I bet you he starts in AAA this season. Yeah, I I would imagine so. That's more in our ballpark. <laughs> yeah, White Sox and the Jays are very similar with those two, with Bob Jr. and Eloy. Yeah. So, and um, I guess it's not, and we're not wasting Mike Trout in his prime or <laughs> anything like the Angels. <laughs> but as far as it goes, I think we should just, um, yeah, so do you want to go into the bullpen here or what is more or less going to be a hub pottery of stuff? <laughs> Yeah, I don't even know what it's going to be outside of Ken Giles, really, at this point. Takara looks like he dodged something pretty major, potentially major, so that's good news. He could be back within a week or so. Uh, it looks like Bud Norris as well. I haven't seen – I know he was scoring today, but I haven't seen how that went for Bud Norris. But I'm assuming he'll be along the same wavelength as Takara and should be okay. But, I mean, after that, it's uh, it's going to be a whole bunch of guys riding that shuttle from from Buffalo to Toronto and back to Buffalo again. So it uh, it's pretty hard to project who's yeah. going to be in there. Whoever's basically whoever outside of Ken Giles uh, is in the bullpen to start opening day. There's a very good chance they won't be there at the beginning or at the end of the season. Yeah, and it's it's I don't think anybody's going to end up being the Steve Delabar of this season. That's just going to run away with a job. Do you agree with me on no. that? Yeah, I do. I wish that there was somebody who could step up like that. I mean, I just don't know. The only person is. I can really think of is if, you know Johnny Axe comes back healthy. Now that he's back officially that, yeah. with the team. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see when Axe gets back and is able to pitch. I think we're. I think that I saw today that they're looking at May, around maybe the end mm-hmm. of April for John Axford, but. Yeah, uh, other than that, in terms of some of the younger guys who could be in this bullpen, like the guy who's pitching right now, and, and Schaefer, uh, and Luciano, maybe Jason Adam, who they got from Kansas City uh, as well. I don't just, I don't think it's going to be any of those guys who can pull a Steve Delabar. No, and like I said, like you were saying, I think the, the, the bus back and forth between Buffalo and Toronto is going to be rather hot. At least the fact is it's not the Mike, Mike McCoy route. <laughs> anymore yeah. to not, Las Vegas. Not having to fly all the way down to Las Vegas and fly all the way back. I like within a day. Sometimes. And maybe even the yeah. same day. 
Oh yeah, I think there was a once or twice where it was the same day. I think that was the the game that he came back and he actually pitched the ninth inning. Yeah, because <laughs> he was like I, on, I he know. was like at the airport in Toronto. <laughs> You're like, just come back, don't, dude. We need you. <laughs> Stop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, how many frequent flyer miles does somebody rack up? <laughs> oh, yeah. Shikies. So now, how many kilometers are some of these guys driving, or, or how many kilometers or miles are these guys driving yeah. between two cities? It, yeah, at least right now it's what an hour and a half drive between Buffalo and Toronto. Two hours, maybe. Yeah, depending on if border got, traffic. Yeah, if you got good traffic, you can be at the border crossing into the states probably in an hour and a half, maybe an hour forty-five. Yeah. So either way, that's a million times better than a what turns into a day worth of travel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. to get to Vegas. Although I, I would imagine there's at least some direct routes from Toronto to Vegas, so maybe it isn't a layover. <laughs> so, yeah, I think there's quite a few. Luckily for for uh, for McCoy, there was quite a few direct flights. Yeah. So in the midst of the fun here, we got the whole. I, I'd say the position stuff is a lock. At least the starters at this point, it's too easy. You know, Danny Jansen's going to be catching, Smoke, Lourdes, Freddie and Drury rounding out that infield. And honestly, Brendan, compared to some of the infields we've had in the last couple of years, that's pretty impressive defensively. Yeah, I do worry about Lourdes Gurriel defensively. He showed last night uh, on one of his box plays, but as long as he can just be okay, Freddie Galvez is going to help him get to a lot of different baseballs. And Brandon Drury is no slouch defensively at third base either. And Smoke, we all know what he can do at first base, so... Yeah, I, I think there's going to be a lot of runs saved this year, having Freddie Galvis and Brandon Jury on uh, on one side of the diamond, Smoke on the other. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully Gurriel can show at second base that uh, that he can have a, a, a decent glove and get to some balls. So, yeah, I think the, the improved defense alone, especially compared to how porous it was last year, is going to help these pitchers and, uh, and could be a world of a difference. Yeah, I believe that was actually Lars Gurriel Jr.'s first error of the spring, if I recall. I think they were talking about that during the broadcast last night. Yeah, you might be right, actually. So, he slotted in pretty good at second base, and I think that was one of the things they told him to focus on over the off season. And similar to Bo Bichette, looked incredible in that one throw last night where he was, you know, completely ranged up the middle behind the pitcher. He was almost on the mound when he made that throw on the on the hop. Oh, I know that was such a good play. <laughs> <laughs> so, more things to look forward to, Blue Jays fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just add that to the long list of things to look forward to. Yeah. So outfield rounds out with Teoscar Hernandez, Kevin Pillar, and Randall Gritchick, or at least for the time being. Yeah, I think that's the key. I think that is very much the key because if somebody comes calling for Pillar in the next week or so, maybe there's an injury around the MLB, I think he'll be gone. I mean, he'll probably end up being here until the deadline at least, but... He's very much uh, on the trade block if they can get even something small for him. I think they'll move him because, I mean... Projected last place giants have been apparently burning up the phone wires. (laughs) Yeah, go for it. Yeah, send him off to San Francisco. Ken Pilar will be back in his home state, so I'm sure he'll be quite happy with that. I'm sure if he was going to have to go somewhere, that would be one of the places on the top of his list. Um, As of today, though, um, the rumor is that Kevin Kiermeyer is hurt for the D-backs. (laughs) <laughs> it would be kind of ironic to put them two in the same outfield after fighting that for gold be. gloves over the years, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And honestly, that wouldn't be the worst move in the world for the Diamondbacks who are trying to stay relevant after trading Paul Goldschmidt and everybody. If you can't 
focus on hitting, you back up your good de- good pitching with solid defense. If you got Kiermaier playing in center and Pilar in right or left, that's a pretty stacked outfield to be able to keep uh, balls from landing in places anyways. Yeah, no, definitely not so bad. That's I mean, that's what the Jays are trying to do with uh, with their infield right now too. So it's working. Seems to be working pretty well so far. And the Blue Jays even gave Grichik a shot in center field. I think that was what Sunday's game. Yeah, and that was uh, that definitely rose some conversations about Kevin Pillar's future here beyond the next uh, few weeks or even the first month of the season. Yeah, and in all reality, I honestly seek Randall Grichik as a center fielder. He just seems like he has that build. But um, knowing that he does have exactly all those tools to be a center fielder along with a pretty good rifle as an arm, <laughs> he slots into right field, no problem. Yeah, I, I'm ready for Randall Grichik to take over in center, only to open up an outfield spot for either Billy McKinney to run with it for a little while or to get Anthony offered up here quite quickly. And I know that's a conversation we've had for uh, for the last few shows as well. Yeah, especially when you, me, and Adam Corsair of South of the Six seem to be in total agreement of just give me, give me Anthony Alford. Give me him now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's just about that time. I mean, for now, let them go rake in Buffalo to start, hopefully, and then force their hand and get him up here by the end of April or early May. Yeah. So then rounding out the bench at the moment, it looks like it's going to be either Eric Sogard and Richard Urania. I'm I'm thinking they're leaning toward Urania, what we were talking about before the show, as well as you. And I think a lot of that's just due to the roster in the current state that it is in and with all the roster flux that they're going to force themselves into with the bullpen. I don't think they're going to want to sacrifice that one spot in the 40-man roster for Sogard. Yeah, I agree with that. I think they would prefer Sogard, but with the moves that they're likely going to have to make to the 40-man roster... And even, as we were saying earlier, guys who are going to be cut over the next day or two that could be of interest to the Blue Jays. I mentioned Dan Straley already, but there's definitely going to be a few bullpen arms floating around out there, which they could use. So being able to stay flexible with that, not having to clear a 40-man spot uh, to make room for Eric Sogard, it's just all about asset management at this time. And I think giving them the best chance to keep guys around as long as possible, uh, you give your chances of getting rid of Eric Sogard if he clears, starts in Buffalo for a little while and he can come back up uh, but I think for the time being, just the state of the roster, it will be Urania but only for that reason Yeah, and you had mentioned already Billy McKinney looks like he's going to be the extra outfielder, Luke Maley will be inevitably the backup catcher for Danny Jansen at this point and we've already known that one for a while and the rest, I think, is going to go to bullpen spots, man. I really don't see, especially with Pompey getting hurt with the whatever freak accident that actually did happen, <laughs> he's probably slid to start the season on the injured roster, or injured list now. So yeah. I think that almost goes away, right? Exactly. Well, I think in order to keep Luciano in the bullpen, they're going to have to have an eight-man pen. And that's definitely one reason why Sam Gavilia was going to be in there because he can be the long guy, and only in real big blowouts where we'll see Elvis Luciano to try to hide him for as long as possible. It, but then there's that other thing, too, is they may just, with all the roster maneuvering that they're going to have to do to make room for guys like Bud Norris and whatnot, they may have to have a seven-man bullpen, and at that point, it uh, comes down to the discussion of, well, what do we do with Luciano? We can't really hide him in a seven-man pen. We can in an eight-man bullpen. So it'll, it'll be fascinating to see what happens over the next uh, 48 hours or so. 
Yeah, and I think we are doing the show one day too early, but with all fancy baseball drafts and my drinking habit and everything on Wednesday tonight, <laughs> <laughs> it ain't going to happen. So, But that's why we're going to have the live show in compensation on Sunday during the 1 o'clock game. Um, and you're going to be actually at that game, right, Brendan? I believe so. That is uh, definitely a possibility at this point. Um, I mean, with how cheap tickets are, there's going to be a lot of, when I'm just hanging around at home, maybe half an hour before the game, just be like, eh, might as well just go. The tickets are cheap enough. For yeah. sure, it's looking like I'll be there Friday night as well uh, for Matt Shoemaker's first start as a Blue Jays. So I'm hoping for there you go. Friday and Sunday. So a uh, worst-case scenario on a night for you, right, being right down the street from the ballpark, you're, uh, eh, I'll walk down the street, grab some street meat, a shop, see whatever it might be, and walk into the ballpark and have a few beers, right? <laughs> Exactly, especially with that new $5 menu. <laughs> there you go. You might have to wait three hours for it, like a ride at Disneyland, but don't worry, it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it with all that stuff, but I'm really excited for that $5 milk. <laughs> there you go, the milk. The milk was a bad decision. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, as we were mentioned, Jordan Zimmerman is going to get the ball against the Blue Jays' opening day, and I think this is the best the Tigers are going to get to offer, regardless that we have talked about uh, fully Matt Boyd and they even have Matt Moore hiding in the kitchen now for the Tigers. Jordan Zimmerman has had a nice spring. It's going to be a decent matchup, I can think, for Stroman and the Blue Jays right off the bat, but I think the it's going to be a battle who can actually get to the pitching first on that one. Yeah, who can get into the opposing bullpen faster will definitely win this game. But you know what? I mean, it should have been Michael Fulmer starting opening day, but he's like looking like he's heading for Tommy John if he hasn't had that already. So big blow for the Tigers in that regard because he was also probably their biggest trade chip to move at the deadline to get some more assets for Detroit. Yeah, the but Yankees yeah, were knocking on that door pretty efficiently. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, I mean, the only thing I think of when I think about Jordan Zimmerman now is how many people were so upset back in the offseason of 2015 going into 2016 that the Jays brought back Jay Happ instead of going after Jordan Zimmerman. Well, look what happened. Uh, <laughs> I remember being in your boat that going, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I did not see Jordan Zimmerman as the next Max Scherzer. No, exactly. And he has definitely not been worth the investment for the Detroit Tigers, so they're still stuck with his big contract. Sizable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I think this is probably one of the Blue Jays' best chances to finally win a home opener in I don't know how long. I can't even remember the last time they won a home opener. It's like mm -hmm. going on six or seven years. Might have been the last one I was at, which was the Benji Molina year. Wow, so that is going back <laughs> quite a while. <laughs> I think that's 2008, 2009. Yeah, it was the like last. Uh, well, actually, maybe it wasn't that long ago. But I, I remember it being Actually, the dying of the uh, Angry Bird years. <laughs> yeah, I think it was the last year of the Angry Birds or, and the black jerseys with that old ugly uh, the, that old ugly logo across it. Because I remember being at opening day or home opener 2011, I believe it was. Maybe it's 2012. No, it's definitely 2011. And Ricky Romero started and against the Twins, and they beat the Twins. So that was the last time. Because they lost, I remember they lost to the Red Sox in 2012, and then they had the whole R.A. Dickey thing in 2013 with all the pass <laughs> balls with J.P. and CBN, and that just has steamrolled into a whole bunch of open, uh, home opener losses in a row. So, so I had to look it up. It was uh, the Benji Molina year that I was last at opening day was 2006. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness, not that long ago. <laughs> I'm dating myself. 
Uh, they won that game. I was very happy. <laughs> <laughs> I bet, yeah. It's always nice to see a win with so many people in the crowd. The dome gets so loud. Oh, exactly. So, and the Thunderdome will be reigning a f- supreme, I think, in the very near future, and it'll feel like days of yore. <laughs> <laughs> or at least your bat flip year or game that you were at that I just can't even imagine. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was uh, that was special. I just hope for something similar within. Uh, the next few years hopefully this time with uh, a walk-off to either go to the world series or winning a world series just insane it's amazing that it happened once and it's only actually happened twice in major league history brennan the whole walk-off yeah. win- world world series winning home run shot heard yeah. around the world joe carter <laughs> yeah yeah i wish uh yeah, hopefully some more memories like that are able to be made within the next few years with uh, this new exciting core that we keep on salivating over. Yeah. Meanwhile, my most recent good Blue Jay memory was I won HQ trivia last night on a Toronto Blue Jays ball- question. <laughs> <laughs> the question was, and I'll give you the options here, who had the best winning percentage in uh, World Series history out of these three teams? The New York Yankees, Toronto Blue Jays, and the Miami Marlins. Is it the Jays? It is the Jays. Yeah. And um, and ironically, um, obviously the Yankees have been in a billion World Series, and they've lost their share of games. You know, it, it's what happens when you play the probability like that. <laughs> the Florida Marlins and the Toronto Blue Jays have played in the exact same number of World Series, two each, but both World Series is with the Miami Marlins went to Game 7s. The Blue Jays only went to Game 6s. Right, so they so. played the extra two games. Boom. I win. <laughs> and yes, I actually did that math in the five seconds I was allotted. <laughs> I think I cheated, and I remembered seeing you tweet that out last night. Oh, no. I had no fair advantage. <laughs> well, I had to spike the football on that one. I was like, oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, why don't we dive into the fun we were talking about before the show here. If we were, let's say, the, the, just to paint the picture for all you wonderful Blue Jays fans out there, we were talking about awards for the end of this season. So for who wins the you know, MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, and maybe most improved, at least for the Blue Jays guys. Brendan, who do you think wins your Cy Young Award for the Toronto Blue Jays this season as Blue Jays players? That's tough because I think if, some of the candidates on the top of my head are prime trade candidates, so I'm not even sure if they'd be here all year. But assuming, or with not taking any trades into consideration, I'm going to go with uh, with Marcus Stroman. I think he is prime for a big bounce back year. I remember saying the uh, the the odd numbered years over the last uh, few years, 2015, 2017, and hopefully 2019, have been really kind to Marcus Stroman. So hopefully that trend continues and he gets off to a good start. And Who knows, maybe he will stay here all year, but uh, I'm going to go strong on, on that. Yeah, and I'm just going to go with the flip side of the coin because I really, after watching Aaron Sanchez this spring, I just do not see any way, unless there's something horrible that happens that I'm not even going to mention, <laughs> that he is not going to be a force in the American League all over again. Looks like he's finally figured out whatever the heck's going on with his hands and the new baseballs and... That thing is moving, man, and it's going to be scary. I, I even think J- Danny Jansen summed it up perfectly. That thing's moving, and I don't know where it's going. <laughs> yeah, it's a very good thing that Jansen has caught Strowman and Sanchez a lot this spring, and it's exactly for that reason. Yeah, because there's just so many RPMs on each one of those pitches by 
more or less the collective here. <laughs> Danny Jansen really has his hands full with a spin on all these pitchers. It's going to be interesting. So how about your MVP, my friend? This one could go... I. I think I'm going to go with Randall Grichuk on this one because I think he is primed for a big year and hopefully breaks out. And that's also me hoping that finally somebody in the outfield can cement themselves as somebody who can be built around for the next few years because we don't know what we're going to get with Teoscar Hernandez this year. I mean, Teoscar has looked fantastic both in the field and at the plate this spring. But let's see what happens a few weeks into the season against Major League Talent and Major League Pitching, not just against scrubs for a few in, or for uh, Major League starters yeah. for an inning yeah. or two. It's good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I was thinking more in the Loris Gurriel Jr. ballpark. I just want to see the peanut power go nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be I want to, with that. I want to almost see the, you know, the rip-off Bryce Harper helmet hair flip thing all season then poor seeds all over it <laughs> <laughs> and they so. have a they have a really cool looking Lourdes Gurriel Jr. bobblehead uh, I believe coming out in, 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 in April yeah honestly I think that's great that they're even giving him a chance to have a bobblehead this early in his career yes he had a phenomenal debut last year but just the fact that he, that's all he's had <laughs> you know what I mean oh yeah this is the same Absolutely. as like if they signed somebody that's a you know quote unquote middle ranged free agent and gave him a bobblehead the first few weeks he was there. It's on that level because you just don't know what you're really going to get from Morris Gurriel Jr. Other than the fact that he has shown that he can break out and run with everything at this point. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, ends up being uh, what you just said could be the MVP for his team. Uh, I mean, he showed he can hit and hit really well, so hopefully he continues that into the season. Be nice because uh, it, it, at the same time, it is a big year for him too because he's got to show the front office that he can actually have a position and play there uh, and not just roam around and bounce around the field. Yeah. Um, but th- there is still some stuff that he can work on offensively too, like his on-base percentage and more. So they, uh, it is a big year for him, and if he rises to the challenge, that's definitely uh, uh, going to be obviously a great thing for this team yeah and infinitely interesting as far as the whole kit and caboodle goes with him just for the fact that he is a wild card at this point nobody knows what you're going to get other than we saw a nice baseline last season and he could take that next step and be something really special just like i agree that randall gridchick is going to have a phenomenal year i would not be shocked if the two of them along with what we get for however long we get out of uh, justin smoke who is my more or less runner-up in this category to those two gentlemen. (laughs) Yeah, Um, exactly. We're going to get something nice on offense that I think is going to sneak up and surprise a lot of people. That'd be nice. I think the offense can actually be somewhat decent this year. I think people are down on it for some reason. There is still some power in this lineup, but one thing that is going to be exciting and make the lineup better to watch compared to years past is there's finally some speed in the lineup and just more athleticism not just as we said last week or maybe it was two weeks ago they're not just going to be relying on the home run ball anymore they're going to have to start creating runs so it's uh it's still going to be an exciting offense even though it probably won't be as many home runs as in years past there's still enough power in there to uh to be quite good yeah speaking of uh some runs the blue jays finally put a couple on the board <laughs> yes <laughs> recently courtesy of eric sogard 
Yep, the guy that unfortunately you're not going to make the team probably. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe you never know. Maybe that run he just got in uh, was the uh, was the icing on the cake for him to make the team. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, and that's why we we're having so much fun with these random live casts. But the guy that should probably make the team is at the plate right now. <laughs> that's right, Flo Bichette. <laughs> Nothing but flow. I uh, don't know if you saw my random tweet last night, but I figured I called it Vladbo is inevitably going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I do like. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> got to make the mashup of something with the two of them, you know. Like, you know, they have the freaking Yankees got the, you know, the kit, the baby bombers crap. <laughs> the the uh, Boston Red Sox stole the killer bees tagline. <laughs> so I figured we got to have something with our core of our guys called, you know. And speaking of, he skied the living daylights out of that pitch. <laughs> Camera yeah. guy lost it. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah. So seeing, I brought it up already so subtly. Rookie of the year. I'm sure you got somebody penciled in already. <laughs> I don't. I can't imagine who that would be to pencil in so so quickly. Uh, maybe Vlad Jr. <laughs> Not even on the, the team. Uh, You're getting kind yeah. of cocky, aren't you? <laughs> Uh, I think I'm getting a little too cocky, maybe a little too excited and overhyping this guy. <laughs> but hey, the one good thing was uh, apparently Montoya said today that he is ahead of schedule with his uh, with his oblique injury. So hopefully he can get back on the field in Buffalo uh, within the first week or two of the Bison season, and we'll see him here in early May. Yeah, and that's kind of almost the exact timeline I came to on this, just because we'd be able to see him for a couple weeks. While he's getting his game right, you know, not going full bore, you know, not Brett Lorying or anything, <laughs> popping ten uh, rebels before yeah. a game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, just the fact that he can get back into the swing of things, get back to used to playing every day, and then I'm, I don't even know if he has to be playing good. Do you? You know he's coming. You know you want to get him in the major so he can actually get a challenge. Does he get right? Get his swing back in place. <laughs> Does it matter? Do you just play, bring him up in May, call it a day? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, he doesn't really have much more to learn down in, uh, in the minors, especially offensively. Sure, defensively for sure, but uh, you know, when Seed's ready to go, he's got to get up here as soon as possible. Yeah, but that's why you have the nice tandem of him and Drury being able to man the hot corner. You can always find yeah. a place for a bat. It's hard to find a place for defense sometimes, and that's why you have Brandon Drury on this team. Exactly, and hey, if Lourdes doesn't uh, does not uh, impress with the glove, Drury's going to get a lot of reps at second base and play some third base still when Vlad Jr. needs a break off his uh, off his feet. Definitely. So it's nice to have that. I think that's one thing that the Blue Jays haven't said enough this year. It's weird that we have all these guys that literally can play in so many different positions, and there's even a couple more coming in the minor leagues. Flexibility in today's baseball game is so key and they've done a great job of being uh, of ensuring that their guys can play at different spots around the infield gone are the days of guys truly being locked into uh one position you got to be flexible to make it to the major leagues nowadays yeah unless you're a first baseman then you get a pass <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> smoke i don't think he's playing anywhere else. <laughs> i don't see roddy Telez doing anything unless you call dh a full-on other actual position <laughs> <laughs> i love both of them don't get me wrong but I'm going to give my rookie of the year just to make the comments differently here. Danny Jansen wins the rookie of the year for me. 
hey, I'm I'm very okay with that. I love that kid. So uh, it would be nice to see him uh, just come up and absolutely light on fire. It's great to see that in both ESPN and Yahoo that he's one of the higher-ranked fantasy catchers, which means that people around the game of baseball believe in this kid already to be an impact fantasy catcher, which means that he is obviously going to be an impact catcher for the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, and honestly, I've been a little shocked at where he's slotted into the lineup some of these times. Honestly, I think he's got to be cemented almost like butt-ending with uh, freaking Kendris Morales in the sixth spot. I agree. I don't know why they're putting him down in the eighth and seventh spot over the last few days. That Pilar should not be batting any higher than eighth. Pilar and Galvis should be rounding out the batting area eight and nine. I know that's quite painful with uh, the amount that those guys don't get on base and can strike out, but at least Freddie Galvis at the bottom of the lineup can uh, can offer some power. But yeah, I, I, I have not understood why Danny Jansen is batting so low in the order. Maybe just to alleviate some pressure off the kid, knowing that it's his first year catching and handling a big league staff. And maybe he, he, I, I guarantee that even if he starts the year on opening day, is batting eighth or seventh. No. Yeah, I, I think at the end of the year we'll see him maybe as high as fifth at some point. He, this guy's got enough eye that he, and a good enough swing that he could be batting this two spot. <laughs> you know, how many catchers yeah. do you see with the, the walk rate of him? And he actually has some good legs as a catcher. This almost is like reminiscent of Buster Posey his first couple of years in baseball. Maybe not, you know, he might not light the world on fire like Buster Posey, but he could. <laughs> you never know. That would be amazing. <laughs> so, but the fact that we're even having this conversation of a catcher being actually good in Toronto is just mind-boggling to begin with. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to, I don't know what to make of that. I, I, I don't trust it. <laughs> oh, and he's homegrown. That's the nail in the coffin. Yeah. <laughs> that is, uh, uh, I guess uh, we can uh, submit Danny Jansen not being rookie of the year this year. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I think that's going to be his big thing for as far as an MVP, like rookie of the year kind of like candidacy for this team, he has done an incredible job handling this staff so far this spring. And, yes, two-fifths of it, <laughs> of this rotation, are going to be guys that he's been with in Buffalo. But Matt Shoemaker is new to the organization, and he didn't really catch too many games with Stroman last year because Martin was catching those games, and then Sanchez obviously wasn't terribly there that much. No, it's, it's very good to see him handling the bulk of uh, the starters so far. It means he's going to be playing a lot during the course of the year, and they want to run him out there as often as possible. Let me, Luke may still get his at bat, uh, and we'll still get some time behind the plate. It'll be interesting to see who Luke Maley gets paired up with uh, every few days. My guess would be maybe one, a Strowman or Sanchez at some point, but also probably maybe like a Clayton Richard uh, or uh, Matt Shoemaker at some point. But no, Jansen's going to get a lot of playing time, and it's uh, it's uh, it's great to see him uh, also working on his game. That's one thing that they were saying the other night or, or the other day on the radio is that his defense still needs a lot of work, especially his throwing behind, behind the plate. And they worked on that a lot this spring, and last night it showed he gave able to gun down the runner. Definitely. So let's talk Major League Baseball awards, my friend, just so we can you know put a bow on it. Let's do it. <laughs> American League Cy Young Award winner. Who do you think? It's hard to not automatically say Chris Sale. Uh, my dark horse would be Jose Barrios on Minnesota because I think Minnesota is going to be a good team this year and could actually contend for the division crown. And if they do that, then Barrios is going to be right at the front of it. So Barrios but, is your this year's and Blake's now. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Barrios could be that guy who just absolutely breaks out, much like Blake Snell. I mean, Barrios had a good year last year, and Snell had a decent year in his first year, but absolutely took off last year. So, yeah, Barrios is is my dark horse to win the Cy Young, but uh, I'm probably going to go with Chris Sale. Uh, fresh off getting that extension, uh, and he is going to have to lead that uh, Red Sox rotation without uh, much of a bullpen supporting them. <laughs> that. that now, see, that's exactly the argument that I was thinking. Not Chris Sale. The fact that he is going to have to basically be Roy Halladay, and we've <laughs> never seen that from Chris Sale. He's always been lights out, but that you saw it at the end of the last season. He ended up kind of going flat a little bit in the late months of August, or the late weeks of August, and into September. And then finally, it seemed like he got enough rest or whatever it was, helped run the blue or the Red Sox to that World Series title. But something's. I don't feel good about Chris Sale this year for some reason, and I don't know why. It's just one of those gut feelings I have, man, and I'm not sure what to say about it. <laughs> but You know the, what? Yeah, go ahead. There's always been that thing in the back of my mind for years regarding Chris Sale with how funky his delivery is, that at some point his arm was just going to give out. And I think part of the reason why he started to struggle last year was because he was actually dealing with some uh, discomfort for a little while. I can't remember where exactly, but hey, I mean... There's always a possibility of a guy who's logged so many innings the last few years with a very weird and funky delivery that he could get injured. Yeah, I'm, I don't want to ever wish that on him, but something doesn't feel right. And in, in all reality, I'm staying away from him in fantasy baseball year this year because of that gut feeling I have. So my yeah, Scion Award winner in that hindsight, I think Justin Verlander is going to put everybody on notice this season and run away with that. Yeah, I could get behind that. I mean, anybody really in that Houston, I mean, his counterpart, Garrett Cole, would definitely be a good candidate for that as well. But I mean, Verlander has just taken it to another level since uh, going to the uh, Astros. Complete revitalization. He was looking at for a little while like he was starting to come to uh, a halt with the Tigers. Yeah, and I think a lot of that was fuel. And, um, <laughs> and as far as fuel goes, he's got plenty of it right now. <laughs> Between the stuff going on in Major League Baseball, that's firing him up. The fact that he wants to win after last season, not doing what the Astros thought they were going to do. There's a laundry list of things that I feel like that Justin Verlander is just like, I'm going to go out and just crush everybody this year. And he's not going to be stopped. I really am going to be shocked if he has a rough season. I agree with that 100%. And if Verlander is pitching like he did last year and Garrett Cole, and they get some more stability at the back end of the rotation plus some health from guys like Carlos Correa, who was injured a lot last year. Yep. The Astros could very well win the World Series again. Yeah, and a return to form to, for George Springer, too, at uh up-and-down year as well, inconsistent compared to the year before that. Um, That'd be nice. <laughs> yeah. I just drafted him in my fantasy league. I was doing a draft. And I bet you got a nice so. pick out of him, and he was 100% worth it. <laughs> That's right. He was actually pretty late, and I was kind of surprised he was still there. <laughs> yeah, and it was one of those things that exactly that. You were surprised he was still there. <laughs> So, how about your MVP? I think in the American... Oh, look, do your NL Cy Young first. Sure. We'll go with the NL Cy Young. I'm going to go... I'm going to say my dark horse first, and I really like this guy, because it's nice to see that Colorado Rockies are finally starting to develop some pitching who can actually pitch well in uh, in Coors Field. Herman Marquez, last year, who struck out 230 guys in just under 200 innings. is definitely an option but I don't think it'll end up being him. I like Aaron Nola a lot in Philadelphia, and there's a lot of pressure on Philly now with Bryce Harper, 
and Nola's going to lead that rotation. And if the Phillies make it into the playoffs, maybe win that division, uh, Aaron Nola's going to be a huge reason why. Yeah, he's looking pretty shiny in that very rough NL East at this point. <laughs> and ironically, with my pick, I'm going to stay in the NL East. I think Max Scherzer is going to be upset from last year's results, and he's going to just take that stuff right back. <laughs> I hope I hope Scherzer strikes out 300 again because that would be cool. It's always so cool to see a guy get to 300 strikeouts. Yeah, and in, in all of Major League Baseball, I think he's the guy that stands out as the guy that could do that easily. Um, I don't, I just don't, maybe as much as I love Jake DeGrom and some of these other guys, Scherzer just, is, when he's on, you're not touching him. Yeah. And no, there's nothing crazy. else you can do about it. <laughs> it was so cool that he pitched in Toronto last year when the Nationals were here. I was at that game, and they actually beat Max Scherzer, which was uh, very cool. Shocking to see. But, uh, <laughs> Right? And even that one game that he was here, he pitched really well. I believe he went into the 7th or the 8th inning, gave up only two runs, so he definitely deserved to win it. But it was cool to see Scherzer live again. Definitely. So how about we move into your AL MVP? I mean, is it uh, too easy to say Mike Trout because he should have like five MVPs at this point? <laughs> so maybe I'll just go, I'll pick somebody not named Mike Trout in the American League. I mean, Mookie Betts is an option. J.D. Martinez is an option. But you know what? If they're if he's healthy and bounces back, and just like I just said with Verlander, uh, if they're healthy, Carlos Correa, I'm going to go with the MVP for Houston Astros because, and if that team is healthy, they're pitching, uh, their bullpen, uh, I know it's now led by Roberto Asuna as their closer. But now that they have the closer spot sorted out, the Astros are definitely primed to make another run at the World Series. And if they get there, it's going to be because of Carlos Correa. So that's what I'm going with there. Yeah, he's, he's definitely one of those players that fits that profile, despite being one of the youngest guys that would probably win that award. He's only like 24, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah, he's still very young. I, I, he may even be 23. I can't remember his exact age, but yeah, uh, yeah, he is. Uh, he's quite young. Yeah, I agree with you that I, I, it, you almost might as well just name the award for the American League MVP, Mike Trout's trophy, Mike <laughs> Mike Trout's property, <laughs> something at also this point. Also, Mike Trout trophy. <laughs> yeah, or just put a fish on it. <laughs> Whatever it is at this point, but. Um, I have this strange feeling that Giancarlo Stanton is just going to be a force this season and have no mercy on American League pitchers. <laughs> yeah, I can uh, I can get behind that quite easily. He's been, I think his second year there, that's uh, going to be different. Um, he'll, be, <laughs> he'll be much more settled in and know what to expect in uh, in New York. Well, that and the fact that they have a formed lineup around him now with Gleyber Torres and a healthy Gary Sanchez judge that is a very intimidating lineup and having him as the dead freaking center of that the only way he won't win the mvp award is if somebody in the yankee lineup outperforms him well at least we figured that out now instead of a what was it a month ago when uh we went on for another half an hour oh, yeah. so didn't realize it. I just saw the thing popped up on the thing and it said, just finished recording. I'm like, no! <laughs> well, at least right. it's an easy segue into it. Yeah, so go right ahead. You're uh, All right, well, NL MVP, my friend. <laughs> I think one team that could surprise and maybe make a run at the playoffs is the National. And Anthony Rendon can definitely be 
that MVP, but I'm going to go with Paul Goldschmidt in St. Louis because I think just with the addition of Paul Goldschmidt alone, plus guys like Jack Flaherty, Harrison Bader, a lot of their young guys, even the Canadian Tyler O'Neill, the Cardinals look like they could be one of the more improved teams in baseball heading into 2019, and Paul Goldschmidt is still one of the, probably still easily top five in all of the MLB. So I'm going to go with Goldschmidt, and if he wins MVP, the Cardinals will take the Central from the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, ironic. I was thinking that same thing. I have the Brewers as winning that division very closely, (laughs) but winning it. It's going to be close. That Central is good, man. Like, you got the Brewers who are playing the Jays right now. The Cardinals are much improved. Even the Reds improved a little bit with a lot of the trades they made, getting yeah. the SEL League and some pitching. And the Don't Cubs sleep are on always the Cubbies and Pirates, man. <laughs> exactly. That division, uh, the Pirates, even though they're probably going to finish last, they still have a lot of good pieces if they're healthy. Yeah. If Archer can be an ace, then you can't count up them out. I think that division could be, well, I think it is the best in baseball. I actually would put, put that ahead of the National League East because you got the, the, the doormat. That's the Miami Marlins. Oh, yeah, definitely. As far as average winning percentage goes across, it's probably going to be the highest in that that division. So my pick for NL MVP, though, I'm going to go with Freddie Freeman. And I think that's just part in the culture of the new, the new look Atlanta Braves is going to run away with something. And now he's got a bona fide ace in the hole that and behind Freddie Freeman, and we all know him as the bringer of rain. <laughs> yeah, when he, he, you know, ever since they 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 went back to SunTrust Park yesterday, and basically are doing what they're doing in Montreal, having those weird exhibition games where you play non, it's not spring training, but it's also not regular season games. It's these just weird exhibition games to kill some time, but between the end of spring and opening day, so they played last night at SunTrust Park, and Josh Donaldson's first at bat there. As a Brave, he hit a, a absolutely scorching double that the Jay fans are used to seeing him doing in Toronto. So, I think it was a rifle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was. Yeah, absolutely. So, But yeah, just knowing that that's batting in the same ballpark and same lineup as Freddie Freeman, that's somebody that's going to be on base for Freddie Freeman to have a freaking holiday with. <laughs> and they built that ballpark, in my opinion, with no, thinking of nothing but Freddie Freeman spraying the ball all over the place. Yeah, absolutely. That that ballpark is crazy. How much the ball carries there? It's really a, a hitter friendly ballpark compared it's a wind to. Uh, yeah, compared to Turner Field, which was uh, kind of in the middle of pitchers and hitters ballpark. So I was hearing something about how the architecture of that ballpark is that you know, no matter where you're standing, there's supposed to be like a constant breeze kind of thing going on with the way the architecture is. Just because in it's Atlanta? always so freaking hot there in Atlanta, yeah, yeah, there it's it's very open and the wind kind of any little breeze just kind of goes through the whole thing. Yeah, I mean that would make sense. So that that definitely would explain why that place is an absolute wind tunnel and uh, carries ball out of the yard. Yeah, doesn't matter which direction either; <laughs> it just goes. <laughs> no, put it in the air and you got a good chance of it leaving. Yeah, after a couple of years, it'll be interesting to see what the park factor is on that through the ESPN stuff. <laughs> what they add to your offense. So, yeah, exactly. Your uh, AL Rookie of Year, are you sticking to your story from a minute ago? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm going to stick with Vlad here. Uh, but I also kind of want to mention a second name. I really am intrigued to see what uh, Yusei Kikuchi on the Mariners is going to do this year. That pitching potion that he had 
completely putting the ball behind his back leg. Uh, it's, to, uh, it, it's, just, it's it's mesmerizing. I, I keep on watching his delivery over and over again. It's like a lava so, lamp. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just can't take your eyes off it. And we've seen Japanese pitchers who've come over here for their first year at least have really good seasons. So, uh, We're just having the to... Hideo Nomo effect, right? <laughs> exactly. The Hideo Nomo effect, the Daisuke Matsuzaka, even Tanaka's first year over here. Uh, uh, Tanaka's still good. And you Darvish. So if it's not Vlad Jr., then uh, my pick would would be Yusei Kikuchi. Good deal. So I'm going to go flip side of the coin to another top prospect, and I'm saying that Eloy Jimenez might be just as much of a quick, close competition for Vlad that's going to be right in between those two. I think the two of them could honestly run both right into the ballparks that they play in and catch fire. Yeah, I could. Uh, I can get behind that for sure. Eloy is right up there with uh, Vlad and Fernando Tatis Jr. as these top three prospects who are major league ready and will make an impact so right away is that one your national league rookie of the year yeah perfect segue yep. if he is especially and now that we know we're gonna have nothing to talk about then. yeah do you have him as well i do <laughs> yeah and honestly i just there are some really really talented players in the national league as prospects but Fernando Tatis Jr., I, I've seen him play, and this kid is just on every level just as good as the two other guys we mentioned. Offensively, yeah. the bat is just insanely quick, and he hits the ball a goddamn mile. <laughs> Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado are going to make the Padres fun again. Don't sleep on Hunter Renfro, Will Myers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they've got a good team, man. That division also could be quite good outside of the Giants. To get Blue Jays comparison or Blue Jays fans comparison, that team was ranked one of the highest minor league systems in baseball for years, and the San Diego Padres are at that point now where it's obviously coming into fruition. Right? The Blue Jays hey, hey. rework cycle is not even close to as long as the Padres were. No, and hopefully it won't be. But speaking of the Padres and Fernando Tatis Jr., they're here in Toronto in 2019 may i believe yeah may 24th 25th and 26th it's a weekend so hopefully vlad's up there because that would be a fun series to go see tetis jr and vlad jr go at it that would be fun it's almost like the you know two boxers coming up from the <laughs> behind the railroad tracks <laughs> yeah and getting exactly the, in a heavyweight match right <laughs> yeah so as as Kevin Biggio takes one off the shoulder, <laughs> how about we talk really pick. quick, man, before we uh, wrap this up. Let's go through Major League Baseball standings. Well, we'll we'll finish with our division. We'll start in the NL East. Sure. Uh, I am going to go with uh, – this is a tough one because that's going to be a really good division this year. Uh, I am going to buy into the Bryce Harper to the Phillies hype, and I think they're going to be really good. I think – the Braves are dealing with a lot of injuries in the rotation right now uh, with Fultonevich and whatnot, and they yep. don't really have a whole lot behind him. Uh, I mean, they do have a lot of young guys like Newcomb and Soroka, but Soroka isn't even starting the year in the major leagues. So I think the Braves could be get off to a bit of a poor start and not be able to dig themselves out of it, whereas I think the Phillies are in a better position to just get off to a good start and cruise 
Yeah. So basically, but, you think the division more or less is the Braves fighting with the Phillies. How far off do you think the Nats and Mets are? I don't think the Nationals are too far behind. Um, I mean, I like a lot of the moves they made getting Corbin to go with Scherzer and Strasburg uh, at the top of that rotation is going to be really good. And I really do believe Brian Dozier is going to be a beast at second base, especially if he's healthy with Rendon and Trey Turner. But I would probably rank them Phillies, Braves, not far behind, and the Nationals. I would not be surprised if all three of those teams are within maybe five to seven games of each other yep. at the end of the season from first to third. And then I think you've got the Mets maybe seven to ten back of the Missing that extra team. piece, so, at least at the moment. Yeah, the Mets really are. I, 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 I One of my best buddies is a Mets fan, so... Uh, hopefully he won't listen. <laughs> but I, I, I for our drinking that, fund, I hope he does listen. <laughs> yeah, I, I might just send the link. It's like listen to uh, I, I don't know how, what hour we're in on this one, but I'll, I'll send the exact timestamp for him to listen to my explanation. <laughs> but yeah, they're they're just missing something there, and I don't think Mickey Calloway left the season in New York. So, uh, and then the Marlins are fifth. What about you? I think I'm probably in that same ballpark. I do have the Braves figuring everything out or finding a way to survive those injuries. But it is going to be tooth and nail, I think, between the Nets, Braves, and Phillies, just like you were kind of alluding to there. The Nets missing that last piece, but I think they might actually go for that piece probably sooner rather than later. I think they're going to wait a month or two here and see what they got and may hope hope they catch fire. But I think they're going to yeah. be one of those people that are going to be actively shopping and looking for that next arm or whatever it might be to spice up that lineup and get back into it. Because they might be just on the outside looking in. Yeah, I agree with that, 100%. Where I think the other teams probably have the lineup that they're going to carry throughout the rest of the season just because of what's going on with finances and fun like that. The only team that might sneak up on that whole thing is the Braves because in all reality, they're pretty set financially. You know, Josh Donaldson and Freddie Freeman have got to be their most expensive contracts. So, Yeah, they do have uh, a lot of payroll flexibility to add guys for sure nice when you have guys like Acuna Jr. ready to run and <laughs> you spice it up with guys like Donaldson for a one-year deal, right? <laughs> exactly. So NL Central, we kind of touched on it a minute ago. I also have the Brewers just edging out the cards, which are maybe five games ahead of the, the Cubbies too. But don't sleep on those Reds, man. They could be that third-place team just as easily as the Cubs, I think. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. I think uh, uh, the Pirates are going to be fifth. They'll end up there. I'm going to put Cincinnati in at fourth. And then any of those top three teams, the Cardinals, the Cubs, or the Brewers, can finish anywhere between first and third. I do like Milwaukee getting back to the playoffs. Um, I just, they need another pitcher. That's I, I, I was just so surprised that they didn't go out and add a starter. When Yuli Shasin, I know he had a really good year last year, and I actually quite like the guy, but when he's your opening day starter... You definitely need something else. I think maybe they'll get a boost for sure when Jimmy Nelson gets back in their rotation and the guy we saw tonight, Corbin Burns, as well. But yep. they need another arm in that Brewers rotation, and the Cardinals have those arms, and so do the Cubs. So and that's I'm going to go bigly. They have the pitching. Uh, I don't think the Cubs have a strong enough bullpen without Brandon Morrow in there to start the year outside of Pedro Strope and Carl Edwards Jr. So I'm going to go Cardinals finishing first. 
The Brewers are in second, but it'll come down to the last week of the season to determine which one of those two make it. It could even come down to the last weekend of the season. Uh, oh. The Cubs third, and then the uh, Reds and Pirates. Yep. And how about your NL West, my friend? This one's interesting. Um, because I, I, I want to believe in the Padres so badly, and it's easy to buy into the hype, but there's still no pitching there at all. There's absolutely no starting rotation. There's a, but they're relying on so many young kids and unproven arms. But the, the Giants will be in left. The Diamondbacks lost a lot of guys this offseason and are banking on uh, um, guys getting back to form and, and health in the rotation especially. So I'm going to Arizona, going to finish fourth. Um, I think the Rockies take a bit of a step back. I like their rotation, as I mentioned with Herman Marquez being uh, a potential sleeper in Kyle Freeland. And uh, Anderson in that rotation was quite good, but yep. I don't know. I think it goes probably Dodgers, Padres, Rockies, uh, Diamondbacks, and Giants. And I'm going to say the Padres get in as a wild card and play somebody from the Central, which is probably going to be Milwaukee. That's a very safe assumption, my friend. I think that's pretty much on par. I got the Rockies and uh, Padres more or less. I've literally crossed it off back and forth about seven seven times <laughs> in this yeah. conversation. I think they're very close in where they sit. You you alluded to the two differences, the pitching. I think the Rockies have that pitching and enough offense where the Padres are going to have a lot of offense with no pitching. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So The Padres it, will add farm by the deadline, uh, for sure. If they're in it, they will make a trade because their farm system is just so deep. But it's so the National League is going to be so much fun this year, kind of putting a bow on the National League. You have the Braves, the Mets, the Phillies, and the Nationals in the East. You have the Cubs, the Brewers, and the Cardinals. I'm not counting on the Reds just yet, so I'm only going to go with those three. And then you have the Rockies, the Dodgers, and the Padres, maybe the Diamondbacks. So you have the majority of the National League who, outside of those division winners, could all make a strong case to have a wild card spot. It's going to be fun in the National League. Very fun as they all just try to outslug each other and outlast. (laughs) It's going to be very gratuitous this season for the National League in general. So flipping to the AL side, let's start with the West and stay there on the West Coast. And I'm kind of thinking the Strohs are going to run away with this, knowing what we were talking about earlier with the pitching and a return to form for some of the regulars on the position player's side. The one with the A's kind of just coming behind. I really wouldn't be shocked. I'd be shocked if they're outside of five five wins for that division um, just because they always find a way to do it and we didn't see it coming last year and it did the same stinking thing <laughs> um, then Angels Mariners and unfortunately the you know <laughs> the Rangers <laughs> oh the Rangers yeah I I mean Craig the Mariners are 2-0 right now they're obviously going to win the division oh yeah run away with it <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 they're going to run away with it no, I agree. Astros will take that. Um, I am not as high on the athletics as I was last year. I mean, they always sneak up on you. I do like Matt Chapman a lot. and Their rotation uh, could be hurting quite a bit, uh, especially because they don't have Sean Manaya mm-hmm. for this year. Uh, the Astros, the Mariners will come in second. But again, just like classic Mariners, they'll be in it in September and find a way to not make the playoffs. Uh, then I'll go <laughs> Athletics. Probably neck and neck, actually. The Athletics and the Mariners could be either second and third. And then the Angels and then the uh, Texas Rangers will be right at the bottom with the Tigers and the Orioles. Yep. 
And then let's talk Central. Uh, I think this is a tale of two teams in the Central, man. What about you? Yeah, I completely agree. It's either going to be the Indians or the Twins that win the division. And I kind of like the Twins. I like their offseason was interesting. It wasn't anything overly flashy. They got they added muscle pretty late. Yeah, it's a muscle yeah, on offense with Nelson Cruz and company. Something yeah. about that lineup is just going to find a way to score runs to me. I agree. And, and adding Nelson Cruz and Marvin Gonzalez to the offense, uh, Rocco Baudelli with the influence from the Rays is definitely going to be it's just be interesting in uh, in Minnesota. But I'm still going to go Indians winning the division just because the position players all around the dime, uh, other than in the outfield, uh, <laughs> Jose Ramirez. Yeah, it's weird. There's yeah. a whole bunch of different things. The Indians rotation is five strong. You got Kluber, Clevenger, uh, Carrasco, um, Trevor Bauer, and Shane Bieber. So their rotation is going to carry them to that uh, central title. But the Twins are not far behind, and I actually have them as a wild card. And then White Sox, uh, and then the Royals and Tigers can battle it out at the bottom. I don't think I can say that one any better, man. <laughs> So, but I am going to mention this right now as we, funny enough, land right on the AL East part. The Blue Jays just won the last game of spring training. Spring Jays over. It's over. <laughs> so, two to nothing victory. We'll talk about it on the morning mash, folks. So we're not going to dive too far into it here. But we have a victory to seal things up in Montreal. Fans go home happy. Blue Jays get to you know take that little bit of commute back over to Toronto and kick this thing off. And at least where I have them ranked, man, I have them fighting neck and neck for the Rays for third place, just behind the Sox and the Yankees, who are going to unfortunately run away with this division, I think. But they're going to be battling each other just as much as those other teams we mentioned in the National League. Headbutt. I yeah, I agree. Yankees are going to win the division. Uh, I like their bullpen, obviously, a lot more than the Red Sox. The Red Sox bullpen right now is not going to be very good. It's going to be a weakness of the team, actually a huge weakness. Um, their rotation, as we mentioned, uh, already there's a little bit of uncertainty around David Price. Uh, I know he's starting fifth in that rotation. I can't remember exactly why. I got their discomfort, or maybe it was just as simple as an illness, but regardless. Um, but their offense is still going to be good. But the Yankees all around uh, will win over 100 games. Um, the Red Sox and the Rays if the Rays do anything like they did last year, there is a chance that the Rays could finish ahead of the Red Sox just uh, just because it's the Rays. But I'll go Boston second, Tampa third. Uh, I got the Jays in fourth. I'm not sure how far behind Tampa. I would say maybe about five games. Um, and then the Orioles are going to be in last. Yep, in terms of, that's about uh, the best way you can say it. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I just, yeah, I'm not sure um, how many games back we end up seeing the Jays finish of a wild card. Uh, this year, my guess maybe ten, maybe eleven or twelve. I was thinking pushing double that. digits, just like it sounds like yeah. you are. But that, and that's not be, uh, do, in any short due fact to them not participating or doing anything they shouldn't be. It's the fact that they're. I really personally think they're going to get off to a decent start. It's going to slouch a little bit, and then there's going to be a late season charge to make it a decent five hundred level. I honestly would be wouldn't be shocked if they finished dead at five hundred for yeah, the season. I could see five hundred. I would say anywhere between 79 to 82 or 83 wins is definitely reasonable. Which falls us in that ballpark of just behind the Rays, probably, because they're projected yeah. probably easily in the just above 500, maybe five games above 500. But I, I think there's a lot of swing in both those two teams as far as record goes. 
and it it's just completely depends on the right things happening. Yeah, it really does. Um, I, hey, if they finish around 500 or at 500, um, maybe even 83, 84 wins, the Blue Jays this year, then uh, I think we can legitimately start counting them as uh, easy playoff contenders for 2020. Yep, and that's the goal, man. That's the goal. So, Blue, so do you got anything you want to add real quick before we just log off? Because we've actually went for a good hour and 20 minutes at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this has been a long one, uh, but uh, a good one. There's a lot to talk about just to cement the excitement uh, of the regular season and just get even more pumped up. And, uh, you know, I wrote a piece the other day on what uh, what fans could probably reasonably expect from Danny Jansen, so check that out at uh, Days Journal, as always. Uh, but other than that, my friend, uh, it will finally be nice to watch some real baseball again starting Thursday for yeah. 162. And I hope all you have your uh, I can't make it to work excuse cards ready. I've already been seeing them fly around the internet. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm working 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. so I can get home in time to watch. <laughs> I'm gonna be running around doing like nine billion one things. I'm gonna try going on media blackout so I can enjoy the game at a normal time when I get home. <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad idea. Hey, it worked during the bat flip thing for me. <laughs> I told you that story recently, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's. Uh, yeah, I had to choose between my two favorite things, Blue Jays fans. It wasn't because of anything. I had a chance to see Motley Crue for their last concert ever, or I had the chance to see my favorite team for the playoffs for the first time in a million years, and I chose to go on media blackout until I could get home to my DVR. <laughs> yeah, hey, that's not a bad thing. Skip through the commercials. Exactly. It worked out great, and I just woke up everybody in my house at about 2 o'clock in the morning with a bat flip. So, <laughs> as I flipped there. the coffee table over and just, just went streaking down the street, all the good shenanigans. <laughs> Rochester, got a, Rochester got a show that night. <laughs> exactly. So, anyways, Blue Jays fans, that's a wrap for this uh, Wednesday wall-up and extensive live show as the Blue Jays cap off their win for the Montreal series. Brendan, it was pretty exciting, but we're going to have real baseball, and that's about all we can say. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully uh, a good start to the season too. I hope for five and two, four and three would be all right. Anything less is going to be a, a disappointment to me. It's going to be an ugh for the next work week. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, Blue Jays fans, make sure. Hopefully, we will have plenty to talk about as far as good news goes when Adam Corsair and I take the mic for another live show this uh, Sunday as the Blue Jays take on the Tigers. It looks like Trent Thornton will be on the mound for that one against whoever for the Tigers. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe Matt Moore is kind of the ballpark number and guess at this point. But uh, don't forget to hit up the morning mashes until that point and hit us up on Twitter with all your wonderful questions and dive into the conversation with us. We're always ready. Until then, peace out, everybody. Take care. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.